Sounds like football, baby. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Smackdown. I'm your host today, Jake Rip. You can find me on Twitter at JakeTakesFF. And joining me, as always, folks, you know him. You love him. He is on Twitter at KyleMonth8, but he's with us year-round. Folks, give a big round of applause for Kyle August. Thank you. Thank you, studio audience. Uh, I dig it. <laughs> wow, they, they all stopped on a dime right there. That was really well-coordinated. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. How are you doing, Jake? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I see you're all moved into your new place. I use the term moved in very loosely. <laughs> yes, it's still completely empty, but I had to get the, stu- I had to get the studio area set up. Uh, I was ready to go. It was a busy week for me uh, getting moved, and then you dump free agency on top of that. There was plenty to go around, a lot to talk about. Um, it's had, I had people over helping me, you know, move some stuff, and then that, we ended up just chatting, you know, free agents a bit here and there. So looking forward to uh, to doing that here with you tonight. Yeah, I think last time we spoke might have been like just uh, Aaron Jones news might have came out like right then before the show. But besides that, we haven't even gotten to uh, exchange words about any of these guys yet. So this is all going to be pretty fresh. Yeah, this this is going to be straight raw because honestly, I haven't. I told you before the show. I haven't any other podcast. I haven't been on Twitter at all. Like, unfortunately, if you guys were following me looking for my instant takes, it didn't really happen. Like, I, I jumped on there a couple of times, make some sarcastic remarks, uh, like about Deshaun Jackson and like how, you know, he didn't actually sign anywhere because he's never healthy. So it doesn't matter. Those types of things. So, yes, exactly. I don't know. I'm really so. trying to force in the sound effects early in this one. <laughs> hey, you got, you got to show off all that. I have no buttons over here. I can't add anything to this. So I'll just, Bringing my voice. Before I get started, I want to give a shout out because I know he's going to listen to this. Got to give out to my uh, shout out to G from the Aussie guys. Busted his hand up riding a bike. Uh, You know, they say you'd never forget how to ride a bike. He might have. So I know he's listening to this right now, probably. So we'll uh, we got to give a shout out to him. Heal up quick, bro. Busted up his hand riding a bike. How how bad are we talking like Jason Pierre Paul? Uh, I I mean, it, it was all bandaged up and swollen. And I was just like, what the heck did you do? And then Apparently he he's a big like mountain biker or whatever. I'm like, dude, I, I can barely, you know, make it down a, a bike path, let alone I'm not going down mountains and stuff, you know. <laughs> See, this is why I stick to fantasy football. I know that I'm safe from the confines of my couch and in front of my computer right here. I don't like to risk it going up on mountains and busting my hand well, up to each their own, I suppose. What which is pretty true because I'm pretty sure I had you on the SmackDown before we we kicked here and, and we brought you on full time. I'm pretty sure I had you on the SmackDown last year, maybe with Addison, our boy Addison. And I think I had one of the front five questions was, uh, "What other hobbies do you have other than fancy football?" And you were like, "None. I don't have any other hobbies." <laughs> bad, bad question, Kyle. Bad question. <laughs> I I thought, man, I was like trying to get you know the people to get to know you a little bit more. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> All right. Uh, look, if you're not already, please make sure you are subscribed to the DWZ Podcast Network, where you're going to get to hear Kyle and I every single Tuesday on the Fantasy Football Smackdown. And we're going to be followed by Memphis and Jerry, bringing you all of the best dynasty tips and tricks to win your league this year and next year and the year after that. Great stuff from Jerry and Memphis. Um, 
If you can't wait until Tuesday for Kyle and I to bring you the fantasy football smackdown, we totally understand. Trust me, we get it. And, you know, we have the solution for you. We stream these shows every Monday night on YouTube. Uh, If you're not already, go ahead and subscribe to the DWZ YouTube channel and uh, watch live as we provide you with all of the best takes on this year's fantasy football season. Coming at you with all of the hottest seasonal takes while Memphis and Jerry taking care of the dynasty stuff. Um, Like I said, last time we got together, it was just Aaron Jones. So we've got much more to talk about. We'll start with the quarterback position, go through and uh, talk about mostly relevant players. But maybe every once in a while, we'll we'll sneak someone else in there. But you might have to keep your Mike Boone analysis to a minimum on this one, Kyle. Save some room for the other guys. Oh, I I refer to him as victory lap after uh, after that performance a few years ago because I was so pumped when he let people down. I know people don't want to hear that, but too bad. <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear what you have to say when we get to running backs, but let's get yes. it with some quarterback talk here. And who better, man, than but let's get it, let's get kicked off with some Fitz magic. And I let's thought it was so, I thought it was so funny. Like you look at the the Twitterverse and the fantasy community and people acted like Washington made this incredible, amazing move. Like, judging by the reaction, you'd think they went out and they just signed Russell Wilson. Yes. Let's not lose sight of the fact that this is a 38-year-old quarterback. Now, he's basically been a backup in the league for three of the past four seasons. And, you know, let's let's assume he is the starter for Washington because I think it is kind of an assumption at this point. Like, let's not take for granted that he's just going to be the guy. I've seen crazier things happen than, you know, Washington trading up from, I think they have like, pick 19 or something this mm-hmm. year let's not rule it out that's all i'm saying but you know it, as it stands right now where do you think you would rank him for redraft purposes because to be fair he's gonna have a pretty decent supporting cast in washington <clears throat> guys like terry McClure and antonio gibson logan thomas looked good last year and now of course we'll get to him the newly acquired curtis samuel uh so you know where's kind of that range you think is going to be a nice spot to take Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2021 yeah the thing I as I don't know if I'm a Dwayne Haskins apologist or whatever but the Washington Washington bringing in Curtis Samuel was more than they ever did really to help Dwayne Haskins I felt like so like they they actually added an offensive weapon in free agency um yeah I agree I think it was totally it was like uh everyone just blew up like this was the greatest move of all time now it's fun I like Fitz Fitz magic you know he brings yeah fun is a good word I think yeah the Fun. entertainment there, yeah. yeah, for sure, and the fantasy value should is probably going to be better than his, you know, real life value. That's been the case for many years with him. Um, I like that they'll have somebody there that's not afraid to chuck it. So McLaurin finally gets somebody that can let loose a little bit. But I think you're right. I mean, are we 100 percent sure he's going to be the starter, and or, and can he carry that you know starter role for the intention? This defense is loaded, and they added some more weapons to that defense uh, with adding a high end corner. Um, in addition to that great defensive line. So at, at what point do they get sick of Fitzpatrick throwing three picks a game? You know, what, when that does happen, because it's going to happen at some point. Now, you know, I, I am excited for the fact that these weapons do have a QB that can, you know, cut loose a little bit, not Alex Smith. We saw Logan Thomas emerge last year, which was great, but McLaurin and Samuel there, you know, should be solid. So just Fitzpatrick himself, I, I'm right now, I'd have him ranked as a, as a low end QB too. Um, you know, somebody that I would be okay starting my season with, especially if I went in my QB three with somebody a little bit higher end, um, like, you know, not, uh, not T law, but whether it's, it's Wilson, 
um, you know, or Mac Jones, somebody that maybe I'm like, hey, they depending on their landing spot, maybe I can count on them a little bit later in the season. Um, you know, so as a low end QB two, I'd be perfectly fine with Fitzpatrick, hoping I can get at least you know six to eight weeks out of him as the as the true starter and before maybe my QB three takes over. But you know, it, you know what you're getting with Fitzpatrick. He, he's he's up and down, uh, but. We'll just have to see if Washington tries to reel him back in a little bit just because they know, hey, we won this division off our defense. We don't need you to carry us. Just do your just, you know, do your thing. You prefer Ben Roethlisberger to Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yeah, I I, I would. Um, I just think that they're um, he's going to have to do a little bit more than Fitzpatrick will as far as in that offense. The running back spot uh, for Pittsburgh hasn't been filled yet as of recording this. Uh, and then, you know, bringing back Juju, you know, I think, gives Ben a little bit of the edge for me because his weapons are our top notch two more names. I wrote down to kind of gauge where you're at here on Fitzpatrick. And we're going to talk about them here in a second. Cam Newton and Andy Dalton. Are they both below Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Yeah. Those are QB threes for me. I, I and honestly, I think it was on the show last week. Um, Cause Cam, in addition to Aaron Jones was one of the guys that had signed prior to. So we kind of mentioned it in passing as far as all, oh, you know, Cam's a starter, damn it, you know, whatever, because his passing numbers are so horrible. Don't get caught up in the, uh, the contract money numbers like because what comes out is what they could make not what they will make and I believe Cam's guaranteed money was only like five million that 14 million dollar number is if he achieves all of these great things so if he sucks there's there's no reason for them to be like well we're sunk right we just have to keep we pay the guy we got to use him I I don't think that's the case um, with Cam just like it's not with uh, a few of these other guys that that sign bigger contracts that aren't really as big as we think they are so for me Newton and Dalton, those are like QB threes. You're hoping that you never have to plug them in your lineup, but twice a year, um, you know, in those bye weeks. That... Oh, sorry, Kyle, you there? You're breaking up with me for a second. Good. Yep. I sorry, want, I got I you. Want, yep. I don't want to cut you off, but you froze for a second. I think we're all, all right. We're back on the back on the track here. Uh, but when we did the uh, Love Connection show with Memphis, I played the part of Cam Newton. And when I did that, I, you know, I was convinced that he wasn't even going to be a starter in the league anymore just because of how bad those passing numbers were. And then not only did New England go out and say, yes, Cam, we want you to be our quarterback, but they went out and they put their money where their mouth is in free agency. You know, Belichick knew that their current receiving situation was not an option for Cam Newton if they want to have any sort of relative success in 2021. Mm-hmm. Belichick's also smart enough to know that Cam can be a serviceable NFL quarterback if you play to his strengths, which, as we know, is kind of like that short intermediate area, that Greg Olson area. I don't want to get to a spoiler alert with the tight ends, but um, you know, on top of the tight ends, they go out, they get that deep thread in Nelson Aguilar. As far as dynasty goes, I'm still not very excited about Cam, but you know, for seasonal, the rushing production should be there. <laughs> There's a couple targets. Are, Talk me out of uh-oh. it, Kyle. Are we on the we're on we're on the train now? I dude, I don't know. I I mean, I get it. The weapons couldn't have been any worse than they were last year. Uh, and we'll and we'll talk about the tight end specifically in a bit, but they did bring in some some bodies, but I don't know if there's a enough of a difference maker here yet that you know that I've seen. Um, you know, for me to put Cam Newton above. Like you know, I, I just think that what you might get from Cam, you might get more starts out of Cam Newton. Um and, you know, so that will probably put him above him at the end of the year. Fitz might get benched, like I said, for just being a little bit too loose with the ball. But when when Fitz is starting, you can put him in your lineup, I feel like, yeah. um, and feel pretty confident with it. So I'm going to give him the slight edge and keep Cam in that, you know, QB3 territory probably. 
Yeah, I think we need a lot of questions answered as far as was Cam like was he full full go last year? Like I know he had that COVID stint in the middle of the season. How bad did that derail him? How much was it just not having the weapons to throw to? If he still has it like to a degree, because again, the rushing was still there. It's just you know the passing, but what do you expect when you're throwing to Nick Nikhil Harry and no one else? Yeah. You know? Yep. I hear you. <laughs> Let's move on. How about Andy Dalton, man? This is a guy that I was shocked found a starting job in 2021, even more shocked than Cam Newton. His longest active stretch with Dallas was weeks 11 through 17. And over that period of time, Dalton was averaging 245 yards and two touchdowns per game. And honestly, that's fine. But I, I'm not really impressed in the context of the Dallas Cowboys offense. Like, I understand that they had multiple offensive line injuries, but... When you've got guys like Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, I feel like there's more than a few NFL backup quarterbacks that could produce those kind of numbers. Like Andy Dalton didn't do anything special to me to even warrant getting a starting job uh, with the Bears. But the rumor was the Bears made this godfather offer for Russell Wilson. Whether or not there's any truth to that, I don't know. But apparently Seattle did not budge. It just seems so weird because, you know, if that was their intentions, Going after Russell Wilson seems like such a win-now move, and going to get Andy Dalton just makes it so hard to get excited about Chicago Bears anything this year. Um, are you optimistic at all about Andy Dalton? No, I think what you, I think you put it perfectly. The fact of what he did you know, by itself in a vacuum, okay, that's not horrible, but he had some of the best weapons in the game. He was always playing from behind because the defense was horrible. So he was always in a pot in, you know, in, you know, positive game scripts for him to put up big numbers. It never did it. It was the first year in that system, whatever, but he had enough time where he, you know, he was a starter from week five on, you know, had dealt with a concussion in there. We got Ben DiNucci, hell yeah, um, for one game. But beyond that, yeah, Dalton didn't press. I was, you know, I would have been happy with him as a backup in Dallas, like for, you know, a couple million bucks or whatever, but he cashed in. He got his money in Chicago. They, he said that they told him he was the starter. The joke, obviously, on the little Twitter experience I did get as soon as that signing came through, just because I had to check on my Bears friends, Bears fan friends, uh, was that this is the best quarterback A Rob's ever played with. So shut up, you know, like okay, yeah. Um, but that was going to yeah. be the take pretty much no matter who became the quarterback. <laughs> yes. The bar was very, very low. It, exactly. So yeah, the offer. I don't. I don't really know that the offer on to Seattle. Like they said, three first rounders. The problem is the Bears made the playoffs last year, so they're picking, you know, around where Washington is, around early 20s. Then if they get Russell Wilson, you got to figure that the first rounder next year is going to be a little bit later because hopefully, that you know, they're probably a playoff team again. You know, so, like, those – not all first rounders are created equal. We know that as dynasty owners, right? When somebody – when someone offers you the, you know, the 104, that's a hell of a lot different than, you know, the 110. And that's exactly what Seattle is probably looking at there. There was no reason for them to move Russ. But for Chicago – uh, they, they're stuck like them in Washington had to do a very similar thing. They made the playoffs, which ended up being probably a mistake because they were, they don't have the draft capital. Now um, as far as in the first round, they got to either pay up to, you know, to move into that top 10 ahead of some teams, or they got to find some bridge. And, you know, for Chicago, I feel I'm really concerned because I think this is, you know, the last move for this regime. They're all getting wiped out after this year. Washington has a little bit of favor with Rivera um, they could probably weather the storm, but I think Chicago is getting blown up in 2022. 
you excited about Jameis Winston in New Orleans? Because this is another guy that I'm having having trouble getting a grip on. I keep envisioning old style Jameis, five thousand yard Jameis. I just kind of put my blinders on. Uh, no eye <laughs> joke, pun intended. Uh, when it comes to the when it comes to the interceptions, but what he was able to do in that Buccaneers offense, I mm-hmm. I know that it's unlikely to be replicated, especially in the context of the New Orleans offense where you don't have weapons all over the place, really. I mean, it's kind of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Um, they just moved Emmanuel Sanders. Am I missing anyone in that offense? Jared Cook's gone. Yeah, it's there's really... And even, uh, I believe even Traquan Smith uh, might even be a free agent as well, if I remember right. But not that it matters. Take him this long, you know. You're right. They don't have all the weapons that they had in Tampa Bay um, that, you know, at his disposal. His second year in this system makes me a little bit more encouraged, even though he didn't like play on game days. Like he's been around it a bit. I would be extremely excited about Jameis Winston. If Taysom Hill wasn't there, like that's not, someone had to say it. Yeah. That's not, there's nothing you can do about it. Taysom Hill is getting paid way more than Jameis Winston. So it doesn't, you know, hopefully Winston's a starter. If you, if they, if you told me today that they said, no, Taysom Hill is going to be, you know, a sub package, 10 snaps or, you know, five snaps a game and Jameis was the QB, then yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably have Jameis at the top of all of these QBs, you know, in, you know, maybe not, not top 12, like he was in Tampa, but you know, higher than where I had Fitzpatrick, maybe that 15 range, but the way it is now it's risky as hell because they, at any moment they could be like, you know what, forget it. We're just going to run these, we're going to run the Taysom Hill packages today. There's no reason for them to, to have to lean on Jameis. So you know, it, it is what it is. There's positives of him going back, but there's also the negatives of he has some very strong competition, you know, at least in Sean Payton's eyes <laughs> there. And yeah, you have that, to weather that storm. That's what it's all about. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not worried about Taysom Hill as far as an arm talent, but right. something about him. Sean Payton just loves this guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I if it was 100% up to Sean Payton, Taysom Hill might just be the outright starter. But I feel like there's other people in New Orleans like pulling him different ways, saying, no, we got to give the ball to Jameis. Yeah. But, uh, it's just a super weird situation. And it's almost like a – it's like, you know, I don't want any part of an RBBC. I want less part of a QBBC. <laughs> you know? Dude, the thing is – and the thing is, too, like, you, you got to hope that, like you said, some common sense will prevail. When they knew Drew Brees was out for a month, Okay, let's let's mix it up. Taysom's here. He's been here. There's no reason for us to like reinvent the wheel with Jameis, right? We'll just we'll just go do what we were doing over here. We they played the Broncos. They didn't even have a QB, right? They didn't even need to try in that yeah. game. So that was one of the four games. So like, th- it made sense that they stuck with Taysom Hill, even though we were all excited about Jameis. As was I, I blew all my fab in every Superflex league I had, even the one QB leagues. I was so pumped, and it ended up being nothing. So I. I do think that there is a chance, better chance for Jameis in 2021 versus that month-long fill-in role um, from from 2020. But still, I'm not convinced to the level of I'm raking Jameis like it's his job, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would have been a lot more optimistic about Jameis, even if they would have came out and just made a statement saying, hey, this is our guy. We're going to pay him. But they made Taysom Hill the number one priority. They kind of kept everything in the dark. We didn't even know if Jameis was going to sign in New Orleans in, right. in this free agency. but. Here we are. Uh, yep. A few few more names. Mitchell Trubisky, the new starter for the Buffalo Bills. How about that? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm hoping whatever QB coach Josh Allen worked with last year, get Mr. Bisky in there, get him signed up on that plan. Let's go. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, I mean, 
Hey, he, you got to think though, not that Trubisky is Josh Allen, you know, when it comes to running, but Trubisky can move a little bit. So I, I do think this is, it's, it's probably just getting a guy that's probably close, closer to what Josh Allen is versus most of the backups that are out there. You're not putting Joe Flacco in that offense. You know what I'm saying? So good for, good for Mitch. He has a job. Good. For, yeah. Very well put, Kyle. <laughs> uh, Jacoby Brissett goes to Miami and Tyrod Taylor to Houston. Anything to say about those guys? I think, you know, I'm, I just hope for humanity's sake that all of this Deshaun Watson stuff is just like, not a real thing because you hate to see her- heroes, you know, get yeah. torn down, you know, and not be who you really thought they were. And he does so many good things like in the community down there. So like, but if we're talking fantasy football on this show. We're not talking all that other stuff. This is their plan, I guess, right? Is Tyrod Taylor. So if, if you're in a, if you're for, if he was for some reason dropped, you know, in a dynasty super flex league that the free agent has been locked, like, star him right like keep him on your watch list just to be careful because there could be a path there but you know that's again hopefully qb3 territory you don't have to plan much but other than that man it, these guys are just backups deep dynasty super flex fodder going into the running back position again we talked about aaron jones for like i think a split second on our last show i don't remember exactly what we covered but this one came as a surprise to a lot of people including myself um, I don't think we have to talk about Aaron Jones a whole ton because we know what he is in this Packers offense. He's a monster. You want to have him on your team. Um, but how about A.J. Dillon? What are you doing with him from, I'll say from a dynasty perspective, because I have a real hard time seeing him finding any sort of seasonal value this year. Mm-hmm. But you know, for dynasty, I feel like I, I kind of still want him on my team. Yeah, there, there's definitely, you know, now his price is even lower probably than it even was last year, which might not even make any sense because now he's the he, he's the definite two versus last, you know, going into last year, he was the three. He wasn't overtaking Jamal Williams because he doesn't have that pass catching prowess necessarily. I think when you look at Aaron Jones's value, he might even see an uptick, you know, in the passing game. So that should make him, make him even better. But the way the contract is laid out is it was in essence – barely just a little bit more money than if they had franchise tagged Aaron Jones twice. So there's some, there's an out after neck after 2022, um, which would still put, put Dylan on the team for one more year um, with, you know, potentially as the guy, but I I think anything can happen. We've seen guys get moved. Yeah. You know, if you're, if he uh, shows himself to be, you know, uh, you know, a strong backup, he could start working his way into the game. So from a dynasty perspective, I don't mind taking a shot. See if you can, Kick an early third, see if you can get a panicking AJ Dillon owner who thought sure. that he was freaking out, right? I, I think we might have mentioned a late second. Like, what did you take a late second for him? I'd feel a lot better if I was trying to acquire AJ Dillon for you know an early third, just to see, you know, especially in one QB leagues. I mean, those, you know, yeah, you can take your flyers, but I wouldn't mind taking a shot on Aaron Jones because at worst you have a you have the handcuff running back to one of the strongest running games, you know, in the league as far as touchdown production. So he's not Aaron Jones. We, he wasn't going to be Aaron Jones. Um, but we were thinking maybe a high end RB two. Now, you know, he's, he's turned into dust in some owner's eyes. So kick the tires, see what happens. Yeah. I was going to make that point on Dylan. Like, you know, the, the NFL season, the fantasy season shows so short 16 games. If, if Aaron Jones was to miss one or two of those games, like the value in AJ Dillon just for that one or two games, I mean, that's the difference between making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. We're not here to bet on injuries or predict injuries, but I mean, I think he kind of moves into that realm with the Tony Pollards and you know, name the next best uh, mm. 
backup running back, Josh Jacobs. Well, we were talking about Kalen Bellage last year, for God's sakes, people. So, like, you know, these backups are, they're going to get the, even those few games, they, that can make the difference in whatever, regardless of your format is. And so, like, I, I think, you know, if, if you, if you just went out from under him in Dynasty, you, you know, you, this is the lowest point. So, generally, then my advice is don't sell him. You know, if you want to go buy him, now's your time um, because I don't think the price is going to get any cheaper uh, than what it is right now. I made a little Josh Jacobs joke right there that I think went over your head, but we can move uh, on yes, now. To, uh, <laughs> we can move on now to Kenyon Drake. You can listen back to it, Kyle. You'll catch it later. Oh, all right, good. <laughs> this one right here, man. This one had to have been like the most devastating blow to anyone's fantasy value. I'll have to go back through the list and double check, but I don't know if anyone took a bigger hit in free agency than Josh Jacobs. RIP, 23 years old, Josh Jacobs. Man, <laughs> What is Las Vegas thinking? I mean, he he's signed for something like two years and can make up to fourteen million. I think in, in Kenyon Drake. Yeah, he, yeah, I think that that sounds about right. He was definitely as of today, right now. There's a few other names out there, but like he has this, he received the second highest um, running back contracts in free agency. Vegas already had a guy that he can handle and can prove, and he can handle twenty plus touches in a game, and he's so young. And now, immediately, this is a backfield that I'm completely hands-off on in 2021. Mm-hmm. Just like we talked about Houston's crazy backfield, I want nothing to do with it. I, and I hate to say it again. I sound like I'm like rooting for the injury bug here. But the best-case scenario, really, for any either of those, these two players is if the other one gets hurt. That's pretty much mm-hmm. the situation. Otherwise, with both these guys splitting the opportunity share, closer, probably closer to 50-50 than 60-40, if I was going to guess, just you know, judging off of the money they gave Kenyon Drake, uh, there's not going to be enough work, I don't think, for either of these guys to warrant a roster spot on any of my teams this year. Um, I mean, if you had to pick Kenyon Drake or Josh Jacobs, it's still Josh Jacobs, right? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, but Jacob Jacobs was already on uh, when we did the blacklist episode last right. week. Um, he was already on the, my blacklist before this. So when this news hit, I'm like, what the hell? Just cross it right off, probably like. (laughs) Just imagine if you were subscribed to the Dynasty War Zone, you would have gotten that advice and you would have blacklisted Josh Jacobs before this news even happened. Bam. There you go, people. Come on now. (laughs) It's it's funny because in in, for redraft anyway, his value might drop enough where I might be like, eh, fifth round Josh Jacobs maybe. Let's, okay, I'll take a shot. I'm not a believer in the Kenyon Drake experience. So, uh, I, I do think Jacobs is the better back. I don't think Drake is that, you know, he's, you know, he's a, like a phenomenal pass catcher, but they have, they've been reluctant to use Jacobs in that role. So maybe that's just what he is. He's the pass catching back for, for Vegas, but that's a ton of money to spend. And the other thing is, and that, and that it's tough usually, you know, to follow and go back and try to see how this all shook out with veteran cuts and, and free agency. But the Raiders' offensive line has just been completely blown to hell. Yeah. So this used to be one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. Now it's shambles. So this is an offense that's going to really struggle, I think, to move the ball anyway. But when you talk about this running game, and Jacobs was already, I believe, he was like at 3.9 yards per carry or something like that. Like he wasn't great last year. So now, I mean, this is really, this is really not great for any of these guys. And it just opens another door. We're going to roll, roll through some of our running backs here. 
But when you look at the landing spots that did not get filled yet, Arizona is now one of those with Kendrick not going home. Your Atlanta Falcons, which is my favorite running back landing spot, just waiting for that notification, not not filled yet. The Jets, who I think has a ton of volume left there, and Pittsburgh. Like, I'm surprised that, you know, with those all those landing spots, Kenyon Drake went to Vegas. Like, damn. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's like nothing to do with the talent of Kenyon Drake that concerns me. I'm not like, oh, no, Josh Jacobs is yeah. going to lose his job because it's mega talent. But it's it's a matter of what John Gruden's going to do. Like, how he's going to split up the backfield is going to totally determine how valuable either or both of these running backs are. Yep. Like, it kind of goes without saying. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, let's move on. Another one uh, that I didn't think was gonna, or I or rather did surprise me. I didn't think Chris Carson was going to sign again with Seattle. And maybe it's just a part of me really wanted to see that Seattle run game with like, Oh, choose my words wisely here. A legit, <laughs> <laughs> a real top notch NFL running back. Just in case Chris Carson's listening, man, I don't want to be too, yeah. too. <laughs> Look, no, no disrespect, Chris Carson, but you were drafted in the seventh round. That, Four six forty yard dash you ran it certainly did not help your top notch status, but uh, I I don't see Chris Carson's value changing this year as, as far as his fantasy value goes. Low end RB one, high end RB two. I think he'll give you some big weeks followed by some not so big weeks. Um, mm-hmm. And again, all of this is definitely contingent on Russell Wilson staying in Seattle. Uh, remind me again, what was that? Four years for uh, Chris Carson. Yeah, he has he they do have an out after a relatively cheap one after one after one year. So it it wasn't from a dynasty perspective. I would I'm kind of treating this. I owned car I got Carson for a couple stretch runs last year. Um and knowing there was a free agent just kind of, you know, taking the risk he, that he's back in Seattle for me. I'm pumped, you know, for 2021 from a dynasty perspective. I'm kind of treating this like it's a, a one-year deal. Um and then going from there. At Carson is not he's not old, but I believe he's 26. Um, if I remember right, but, uh, and like you said, Jake, like he hasn't, he's not a talent. He hasn't been in this league because of pure talent. He's worked his ass off and took that job away from a first round pick in Rashad Penny. Um, I I think that's, you know, that says something, but at the same time, like they could upgrade from him, I think even after this year, but, uh, for 2021, I like it. I think he's right there as a high end RB two. I feel really good about Carson as my RB two. Man, you're right on the money. 26.5 years old. How do you Bam. do it? <laughs> well done. Uh, that is the, that's pretty much the majority of like the, uh, the guys who will at least get a significant opportunity share in their backfield. But let's talk about some of the, what I like to call thorn in your side running backs or the 2021 vultures for this season. That's kind of the vibe I was getting as I was starting to read down this list. And mm-hmm. we'll get that started with Carlos Hyde going to Jacksonville. And in case, Jerry Sinclair is listening. I can admit when I was wrong, I thought for sure they were going to bring in some real running back competition for James Robinson. And, you know, Carlos Hyde does not worry me in the slightest. But let's be very clear now. J-Rob, he is not out of the woods yet. Until, you know, let's wait until after the NFL draft. After he survives the NFL draft, then we can do the James Robinson RB1 dance. But until then... (laughs) I still think there's a chance they could add some running back depth. There's still some free agents out there. Uh, but but we know Jacksonville has a ton of picks. So I'm just saying, don't start celebrating now, Jerry. I, I, for this move, it was – I and I meant to look this – and again, I, I've been like unplugged as hell. Like most of this thing's like my initial reaction. Hyde was already in Jacksonville before, correct? Like he's played in Jacksonville? 
Oh, has he been? I thought I thought he was already on the Jags like in the in oh, years past, but it doesn't matter. He, he's got the, he's got the OSU ties to Urban Meyer, so I guess it, after the signing, I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Like, it, I kind of feel like he he kind of looks like James Robinson a little bit too. Like, he's not you know he's kind of a shorter guy, bigger build. Um, he can catch passes. We've seen him catch passes before, not every year, but when he's been given opportunity, um, he has. So uh, I I thought that this though was the perfect signing. If again, if you're a James Robinson fan, because this is a backup to James Robinson. If they sign James White tomorrow, I'm freaking out a little bit. Just not just because not because of the touchdowns, but like part of the James Robinson allure is that he catches passes. Give me yeah. that. You know they're going to be chasing points. Give me the guy that can can benefit from that game script. Um, so I agree. Like he's not out of the woods yet, but so far so good. Because even the out of the free agents that are there, it needs to be a James White or a Duke Johnson type. If they sign, you know, James Conner for whatever reason, I'm still banking on uh, on Robinson overtaking him. Like, but I think Hyde is perfect for James Robinson. And like you said, he'll more be a thorn in the side than anything else. It turns out Carlos Hyde was in Jacksonville for a short stint in 2018. Bam. <laughs> hey. Carlos Hyde trivia over here. You're welcome. <laughs> Man, you're on fire. Two for two over there from Kyle. All right. Uh, you're your next thorn in the side here, man. What about Jamal Williams? This one could have went better for DeAndre Swift. De- uh, Jamal Williams, he's one of those backs who can kind of do whatever you ask him to. He can pass block. He's good in between the tackles. And you mentioned before, he's a solid receiver. I mean, I'm not going to act like this pushes Swift way down my rankings or or anything like that. But, you know, if I'm torn between Swift and another running back and it's really close, then this Jamal Williams signing might just be enough for me to tip the scales in the other direction. I'd I'd have to be more specific on that example and find that just exactly that player I'm talking about. Uh, But uh, Jamal Williams, he had a 46% snap share in Green Bay compared to Aaron Jen's 61% snap share. So I'm wondering if maybe there's kind of that same... uh, that same outcome in Detroit. And if that's the case, it sounds bad on paper, but still look what Aaron Jones is able to do with that 60 to 40 snap share. So at the end of the day, DeAndre Swift is still DeAndre Swift. He's an animal. He's going to continue to be an animal. You should go get him in every dynasty league. Uh, But I would have, I would have rather Carlos Hyde landed there than Jamal Williams. Yeah. The thing, the thing with that Williams does, I think, well is his involvement in the passing game and and pass protection so like if they would have re-signed adrian peterson i've been like hey all right because even if if he has to split the carries with ap swift is clearly the passing down back right he has that ability uh with williams you know if the only pause could just be that a you know he's a little bit better in the past game maybe Swift doesn't get the targets targets more valuable in carries um but yeah i'm not worried about it it really for me i saw this as an opportunity is like if swift gets knocked down a peg um, like in the rankings, like one or two spots, I'll take advantage of that. And I'll, I'll get him on my team. He's still going to be 10 running for me um, in redraft leagues. I really, I really like the upside. Um, I just, you need him to be the the passing downs back in that offense. Cause they're going to be chasing points. Those two Houston signings, man, doesn't make again, an, another organization that I just want to know who's pulling the strings. Cause it's, it just seems like someone's just making drunk trades up in the office or something. <laughs> But uh, Philip Lindsay goes to Houston. Mark Ingram goes to Houston. Both of these guys now joining David Johnson. Do you have the slightest idea how they're going to split carries? Because, you know, just looking at this, I'd, I'd say maybe they're giving passing down work to Lindsay, and then David Johnson and Mark Ingram are going to 
split carries. I don't know who's getting goal line work. I don't want any part of it. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think the money they gave Ingram, the money they gave you both these running backs weren't such that they couldn't cut them. Um, I, I think the thing with Lindsay is, despite his stature, he hasn't really he hasn't really dominated in the passing game. He's kind of it. At oftentimes, he was running behind uh, Royce Freeman as the as the passing down in. I know that David Johnson can get it done in the passing game. So I, you know, I don't know if they'll carry all three. Um, I would, I would prefer it if Ingram just got cut and it was Lindsey and Johnson and I could just, I'd be, I feel pretty good then about David Johnson as a, you know, a high end RB three um, just because I think he's going to be the passing downs back. But when they, when I saw Denver let Lindsey go and then Lindsey went to Houston, I think I was just more excited about Melvin Gordon actually um, because now they brought in Mike Boone. Who cares? Um, and and Gordon, uh, you know, for whatever reason. Again, I'm not here to talk about anything else, but f- focus on the fantasy value. His DUI case got dropped, so hopefully, no suspension there. So Melvin Gordon looks like he's on the fast track to being, you know, a, wide, a running back two again. Now they just need to fill that quarterback spot because they they were really quiet. They didn't go the Washington or. Uh, you know, or Chicago route, they went the, Hey, we're picking in the top 10. We're going to find our QB there. Um, so I, when Lindsay got cut in Houston, I was actually more pumped for the opposite side of it and go with Melvin Gordon as a, you know, a, a winner here, I guess to say. Marlon Mack returns to Indianapolis. I, that's another guy damn I would have liked to get a shot somewhere else, but yeah, you did the big yeah. damn it is from those people who own Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you have, I still have nightmares from week one, watching uh, Naeem Hines get carries and Marlon Mack get carries, <laughs> knowing knowing what Jonathan Taylor was capable of. But you've got to imagine now that just with a year of, of Jonathan Taylor putting together NFL film that um, they have a new offensive coordinator in Indianapolis, right? Uh, yes, but it was, uh, I believe it was an internal promotion. So it's still pretty much. Frank Reich just doing his thing. But yeah, they, they did uh, lose their technical OC last year. <laughs> Nonetheless, you know, I hate to say like learn their lesson, but you've got to be able to imagine that they were able to go into the film room and say, we know who our running back is. And we know the guy that's got to get all the carries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have said the same thing last year though, being like, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, th- this guy coming out of Wisconsin with 5,000 freaking yards. You obviously are going to give him the ball over Marlon Mack and, that just wasn't the case, down to the point where Naeem Hines is even getting goal line carries, stuff that just makes zero sense. Um, mm. are, are you concerned at all? Because for dynasty value, it doesn't move the needle for me at all. JT is top three for sure, and you know we can mm. have that Saquon McCaffrey debate some other day, but um, what, what do you think for seasonal anyway? Is Marlon yeah, I, anything? I'm not, I'm not worried about it. Like For me, it was more, I was more frustrated because I you – know, like, follow the contracts. Like I had put Marlon Mack on a bunch of dynasty squads last year, just because I'm like, he's going to be set free and he's going to go somewhere else. And no, he doesn't. He just comes back. Like, you know, so that kind of stunk. Like I I think he's pretty much neck, you know, he's a handcuff running back. That's it. I mean, we've, I do think that he's good enough where he could have been a starter somewhere else. I don't know why he kind of folded so easily, took such little money and just went back to Indy to just sit behind JT. So I, I don't anticipate now you're I think the one thing that you did mention there and hopefully he did enough where the coaching staff agrees with what we're all seeing is that there's really no reason we didn't see last year how the split would have been. It was one game. So, right. you know, at this point, hopefully it it is such that they just lean on Taylor, you know, coming from 
Philly, you know, Frank Wright was on a team that used an RBBC. Hopefully they just stick to the two guys. Heinz can do, be the pass downs back. JT can do his thing. And Matt can just be that traditional, you know, off the bench guy. Um, but yeah, I was more disappointed just because I thought Mac, I would have loved to see Mac go to the Jets, you know, like give that, give the yeah. dude 18 carries. He'll, you know, he'll put up his, you know, 75 yards and a touchdown every other week. And you can use them in a, you know, half PPR, like as a, you know, a, a extra flex or whatever. But now he's nothing. So, oh, well. <laughs> A few other moves, guys that aren't really on my radar, so stop me if any of them are for you. Malcolm Brown goes to Miami. Devontae Booker to the Giants. Mike Boone to Denver. And Thea Riddick to Las Vegas. Uh, Kyle, you're Brown's the, Good. Brown's the only one that is, like, he showed enough last year, like, at the goal line and stuff. They That's a running back spot. I don't even know if I mentioned it earlier. As, like, an opening. That's an opening, right? Get, is Gaskin the guy? Um, you know, do they use Brown? So there's, if they don't address it in the draft, which they should, I think they should take a running back with us with one of their second round picks because they have an abundance. I think it's fine to, to spend it on a RB there. Um, but then the, now it might open up where, okay, now the Rams are only a two running back, you know, team versus having Brown in there and mixing him in. Cause at times to be honest, he was the best running back for the Rams, uh, for fantasy. So to see him move on, you know, I, I think, you know, kind of uncomplicates the Rams situation a bit and then, you know, puts it out there for Miami. Like, all right, is it just these two or do they bring in another body? Which I, I think I'm leaning towards they're going to bring in somebody else as well. But I just thought that one was the most interesting, I guess, of this little foursome. We're still waiting to hear on a few names to sign. Leonard Fournette, James Conner, Todd Gurley, James White, and Duke Johnson. There's a few desirable spots out there. You spoke about Atlanta being a nice one. It looks like there's a vacancy in Arizona. Is there any any spots where any of these guys I just named you'd really like to see land there or anything that would just crush you to your core? <laughs> my my favorite, I really like playoff Lenny or Lombardi Lenny, whatever the hell he goes by these days, Leonard Fournette. I mean, he really came out at the end of the second half last season. He's, you know, he's the best guy of this group remaining. And to be honest, what really excites me, the fact that with, they have so many spots, he, I would love him in Atlanta, bro. Like he, he would, I would love if he went to Atlanta. If he goes back to Tampa, I'd be fine with that too. But now I really think the door is open for, you know, now they're not all going to fit in a perfect landing spot. Somebody is going to take one of these running backs a la AJ Dillon. And you're gonna be like, well, that's now wasted. Like you can't, he was a second rounder. You couldn't use him. I think you're going to have at least two to three of these rookie running backs that land somewhere really solid. And then they're just going to skyrocket up rankings like for 2021. Like it, there's plenty of opportunities for these rookie backs. Uh, I think uh, in little less than a month and a half, um, we're going to be talking about them as 24 guys. that They're going to land in one of these prime openings. All right, let's uh, let's try to fit in some wide receivers here. We got a big one right off the bat. This one just came in a couple days ago, still kind of fresh. Kenny Galladay to the New York Giants. And I don't think there was really a better landing spot that Kenny G could have gotten than the New York Giants. He's going to come in there on day one and be the unquestioned number one receiver. And, you know, in, in people's minds, it's I feel like they automatically associate the Giants offense with being like not a great offense and quarterback by an average quarterback and Daniel Jones. But meanwhile, this Giants offense is shaping up as one of the more improved offenses in the league. I'm picturing big games this year for Galladay. I'm picturing a high-scoring matchup specifically in the NFC East this season. You know, we got Dak back with Dallas. Fitz, presumably, under center in Washington. Jalen Hurts taking over in Philadelphia. Presumably, again, Jalen Hurts taking over in Philadelphia. Uh but the entire division's getting a facelift, and I feel like it's going to really start showing in the box score. 
Uh, but going from Stafford to Jones, you know, seems like a minor downgrade. But I'm I'm not forgetting about what Kenny Galladay is capable of. I'm not forgetting about, you know, 2019 Kenny Galladay, wide receiver five Kenny Galladay. You want to tell me why that's not possible in 2021 with the New York Giants? Uh, I, I think I don't. I don't know if wide receiver five is possible. Like that, yeah, I think when you be a little rich, I, I think. But I think you're for me. I kind of had him penciled in uh, off the bat around ten to fifteen. Um, I think. I think he has. You know, he has the touchdown upside. I. I do think. I think he just. He's that bigger body wide receiver. Um, he's something that they just don't have there. You know, uh, as far as the wide receivers that they had in in plays like Slayton. Uh, is a nice downfield threat, I feel like, and Shepard works the slot, so they kind of have their roles. I think Galladay is somebody that can step in, get you, get you to the eight to ten touchdowns, legitimately, because um, I do think that offense is going to bounce back. So I kind of have him in that, um, you know, in maybe that Mike Evans ish range. You know, a guy that can get you the touchdowns, round a thousand yards, eleven hundred yards. I don't know if he's a fifteen hundred yard receiver, so I think that caps him a little bit. For for me, I thought this good for him getting paid because he just had a, a season where it was complete wash. Um, yeah. He moves in the division, so it, for me as a Cowboys fan, so I was like, okay, dang. <clears throat> but as a Daniel Jones apologist, I was like, hell yeah, dude, this guy. They are literally like, if Daniel Jones fails this year, then they know they don't have to question like, oh, did we give him enough? Did we do enough for him? Second year in the system, they added Kenneth Galladay. Evan Ingram's going to be back. Saquon's there. He has, again, Shepard and Slayton. Those are fine role, number two, number three guys. He has all the weapons he needs. Now, the offensive line isn't perfect, but they have improved it a little. I think for Daniel Jones, that's put up or shut up, and I'm buying in. Like If I use my QB2, I know I can get him as a low-end QB2 draft pick, and I feel pretty good about that, You know, and I'm fine uh, with Daniel Jones and get all, all aboard because I think the bounce back's coming. Yeah, I love the idea of Daniel Jones as a QB2 this season. Would not have said that last year, but just the difference having that alpha wide receiver in the offense, it's going to elevate every single person on that offense and probably no one more than Daniel Jones. Uh, we got Corey, Corey Davis, man, going to the New York Jets. It is tough for me to get excited about this landing spot for Corey because if you ask me who I'd prefer in seasonal leagues this year between Corey Davis and Denzel Mims, I do not think I could give you a confident answer. Like we don't, we don't know what this offense is even going to look like. We can make assumptions that the new coaching staff's going to adopt the Kyle Shanahan style offense. We can make assumptions that Justin Fields will be the quarterback or that Zach Wilson will be the quarterback or Sam Darnold will be the quarterback. Uh, but until training camp gets underway and we start getting some looks on these guys and exactly how the jets plan to utilize those receivers, it's I'm having a tough time gauging a guy like Corey Davis. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, again, good on him. Got paid. You know, had a career year, got a multi-year deal. A lot of these guys didn't. Um, but for me, I'm with you. Like with a lot of questions about the quarterback situation, you know, you're in like this is the first of this offense. Um, is that Davis played under a LaFleur brother in Tennessee for one year, didn't really play that great. So hopefully, you know being at least familiar with that, with that uh, system will give him a little bit of an edge, you know, over some of these guys that are trying to learn it for the first time and hopefully can keep, you know, doing what he did last year. But I, I think that Mims still has the upside, you know, for me, I would prefer Mims over Davis. I don't think regardless of who the quarterback is, especially if it's Sam Darnold pains me to say, but there's only room for one on fantasy rosters, you know, in, in redraft leagues. So they're both going to be drafted, but, only one can be usable and, you know, hopefully, and you hope they have a wide receiver two upside. 
So, you know, I, I like the sign. I like the signing from the standpoint of there's targets to be had. There's opportunity here. Um, but I just don't know that there's room for two fancy relevant wide receivers. So for Davis's sake, I hope that he's the guy you can step up. Um, but uh, hell, he got paid. And two years ago, we might have not thought that he he might have been going the Brashad Perriman route in his career. Uh, but here he is uh, off a career year getting some money. So that's good stuff. Six months or so ago, I was positive Juju Smith-Schuster was not going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. I would have put money on it. Now tell me, are you are you buying into this story? Because I am skeptical that Juju Smith-Schuster reportedly turned down offers to catch passes from Pat Mahomes. He, this guy's pretty good. I don't know if you heard him. Heard him. And he's and 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 in return accepting less money from Pittsburgh to play there. I know that he accepted less money from Pittsburgh to play there. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's a fact. But yes. do you think that he turned down all, these other offers? No chance in hell did he turn down the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, I couldn't believe – when I saw $8 million, I was like, you mean $18 million, right? Not that I would have paid, you know, Juju $18 million, but like $8 million? Like, what? $8 million? Bucks, that's all you can get? Oh. And, you know, so like, again, if you follow the salary cap this year, it went down. Some of these players are banking on it, bouncing back next year. This TV contract that just came out, the details are crazy insane. Um, like you got to hope there's more money out there. So, and uh, I don't know, I didn't actually dig into all this, but like hopefully if, if Pittsburgh can't franchise Juju, he can get out from Pittsburgh and not have to play with a Roethlisberger less Steelers organization in 2022. So there's that, you know, coming back for this year, playing with Ben is fine. Um, I couldn't believe the money. There's no chance he turned down Kansas city, but this just makes it, Unfortunately, kind of just a, I don't know. It's kind of like a wash for me. Like I love yeah. Deontay Johnson, but he's a target guy. Then you got Claypool was kind of getting the end zone and Juju was kind of in the middle. Every week when I ranked these guys last last year in 2020, it was like, all right, 18, 19, 20. I just rank them all together. Like two, one of them's gonna have a pretty good day, one of them have a decent enough day, and one of them is gonna be slop. Like, you know, so unfortunately, this kind of convolutes that situation a little bit for me. And I was with you. I didn't think there'd be a chance in hell I'd be back in Pittsburgh, but here he is. It's funny you said that. I made the same note here that there's no group of wide receivers that I'm less sure about from both a seasonal and a dynasty perspective than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because first, it's Juju, the ascending superstar with 1,400 yards as a 22 year old. Then it's Deontay. He's you know commanding double-digit targets every single game. He's the clear wide receiver one. Then Chase Claypool. He's 11 total touchdowns as a rookie. To this day, I have no idea how to rank these players. Like you said, I, I'd stack them all three together, but I don't know who I would put on top of the other, and I couldn't come up with a good reason why I did it. Yeah, I, and I'm with you. And when you factor in the uncertainty of their quarterback situation, even in 2021, but especially beyond, I mean, the only I think the only thing is, like, if I don't know – it, it seems like every year at least one of these teams makes the jump. If Pittsburgh paid up big to go jump into the top 10 and take their future QB, then maybe you could be like, okay, Claypool maybe has a little bit extra because you know what his quarterback situation is going to be like. But right now, it you it you don't know which is better. Is it that you can get the hell out of Pittsburgh next year or that you're stuck or that you're there? Like it's it's kind of thing. So yeah, it's you know, we'll see how this plays out if if Claypool makes the jump or whatever, but for me, it's just, man, they got a bunch of wide receiver twos now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, what about Will Fuller? Does he fit into that wide receiver two realm for you? That's my try to segue. Uh, listen, hey. I, I, <laughs> Go ahead. 
I, I don't hate the landing spot for Will Fuller because at the end of the day, he wasn't going to find somewhere where he receives a quarterback upgrade, right? Watson's pretty much as good as he gets. Uh, but you got to love it for Tua, who prior to Will Fuller, he really didn't have a good, reliable, deep threat that he could throw to. But, you know, having Devontae Parker and Will Fuller, I like that combination. And now you line up Gesicki at tight end. Um I don't know who are we talking about before. Uh, Daniel Jones. No excuses for Daniel Jones. I don't think there's many excuses for Tua this year, man. If he doesn't put it together, because th- these are solid weapons. I, I you know. I, I like to think that even Andy Dalton could come out and throw for 250 yards in this <laughs> offense. Uh, but Fuller, he averaged the eighth most fantasy points per game among wide receivers in 2020. Just 11 games played. I don't think either of us are banking on that in 2021, but what do you think is a realistic expectation for Will, for Will Fuller? Um, a wide receiver one season would completely shock me, but you know, do you think he can get into the top 20? I think he can. Um, as of right now, it, it's close between him and Juju for me, which puts him you know closer to 24 than 12. Like I, Galladay clearly is still the top guy in this group, even though Fuller obviously outperformed uh what you know whatever all these guys did in 2020 but um you know still a little bit on uncertainty there with with Tua um just keeps him a little bit further down for me I still I guess I don't know I've been burned so many times I won't forget the fact that Fuller can never seem to stay healthy and the only reason that he didn't get injured last year was because he got himself suspended so you know that's I think I'm con- I'm convinced he would have been injured if he kept playing football yeah. uh but uh yeah I, I think he's he's a guy that might I don't, it, it's tough because you might, people might overweigh the one game suspension he still has and knock him down a couple of spots. People, you know, that might balance out the fact that he had such a great coast coming off a career season where maybe his price tag is fine. For me, I would prefer him as my wide receiver three and feel that there's some upside there versus a wide receiver two. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, you know, like he has to, he has to meet expectations in order for this to be a good pick. So I'm a little bit, conservative i guess on fuller but i like to pick for two other giving him some weapons i want to see him get one more in the draft and uh you know and a running back that would be great and then let's let's see this offense roll because they're all their old line is solid i was really hoping to see curtis samuel reunited with urban meyer this year in jacksonville but i suppose the current conditions in in dc aren't the worst he goes essentially from being the wide receiver three in carolina behind robbie anderson and dj moore to presumably be in the wide receiver two in Washington behind Terry McLaurin. You know, we can hoot and holler all day about how Ryan Fitzpatrick slings the ball around the field, but when it's all said and done, this is probably going to be more of a lateral move, I think, for Curtis Samuel, maybe a slight bump up, uh, depending on how much passing volume there is. But you got to take Curtis Samuel for what he is, man. He's a super versatile, he's a dynamic player. He's usable all over the field. Uh, but, but he's probably just never going to have consistent fantasy production. I can't see any any point in his career where you're going to plug him into your lineup week after week and you're confident with what he's going to do. I think he's a flex play. I think that's what he was before, and I think that's what he is in D.C. Yeah, agreed. I, I think, like you said, I, I think it's either a lateral move for his fantasy value, maybe a slight uptick just because a few more targets. Um, but I, I wasn't – I like this just because it's like, okay, it's not bad. You know, it's it's not the best landing spot, but – I just want to, I'm interested to see as an onlooker, like, you know, I feel like analytics sometimes is like, like a derogatory term sometimes. Like these, all these analytics guys on Twitter, like they have been hyping this guy up for years. And it's just like, 
you know, sometimes I feel like there's no consequences for it. Like if you hype him up and he doesn't hit, you just be like, oh, well, the numbers were still good. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Let's see some production. So I just want to see, I just want to see some production from this kid. I want to see him get some opportunities. We'll see how it goes. But it gives a running mate to, um, you know, to, to McLaurin. And, you know, a little, one more mouth to feed though for Logan Thomas, you know, too. So I think you got to keep an eye on that because he was a high volume tight end uh, last season and made his bank off all those catches. So um, I, I like the move, uh, you know, overall. And it was actually one of the few players that actually landed in a spot where some people predicted him to. Uh, a lot of these guys, they never go where you think they're going to go. And, and this one, he actually, little OSU connection there now in that uh, wide receiver room in, uh, in Washington. I want to touch on Marvin Jones for a second, one of the newest Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, while I'm not going to sit here and plant my flag on Marvin Jones, uh, I will go as far as to say he's probably going to have a super, super low ADP this season. And mm-hmm. you know, this is a guy for the past four years or so, he's been a 1,000-yard receiver, or at least he's been on pace to hit that You know, if he wasn't injured or didn't miss any games. He's shown that he can produce fantasy-relevant stats despite competing for targets with a guy like Kenny Galladay. Now we bring Trevor Lawrence into the picture, and you're telling me you're out on Marvin Jones? I'm just saying, I think he's going to go undrafted in a lot of spots, and he makes for a solid late-round dart throw. I'm not going to go too far into my Marvin Jones analysis, and I think I'll leave it at that. What do you think? No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't. I think there's a. he'll definitely be taking third of the Jags wide receivers, and I don't think it's out of the realm that he's the best one. Um, for 2020, like he's a veteran guy. They have a ton of young players in that room. Uh, and you know, whether it's, you know, cause I mean, even Chris Connolly, he exited Jacksonville. So right now it's Chark, uh, LaVisca Schnault, uh, and what Colin Johnson and Marvin Jones. I mean, it, so he's by far the a vet, uh, in that room and he's a touchdown machine as weird as it's, it doesn't seem like that. Cause he always gets them all in one game. If it appears, but, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the best one. It's the thing is always just going to be consistency with Marvin Jones. So uh, let's see how that one plays out. But in deeper leagues, I wouldn't mind taking a shot because you might actually get the Jacksonville wide receiver one. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Nelson Aguilar is going to be wearing a New England Patriots jersey this year. Man, it, you know, it's it's difficult for me to imagine Aguilar repeating his production from 2020. He literally had as many receiving touchdowns as Cam had passing touchdowns last season. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious <laughs> not to mention Aguilar he's going to be working the deeper parts of the field in 2020 he was fifth among wide receivers in average target distance and you know while Cam is more he's typically more conservative with the football I, th- I thought it was neat when I pulled this up because I was going to try to find a stat at how bad he was as a deep passer but it might surprise some people to know he actually finished fourth among quarterbacks last season in deep ball completion percentage so, you know, while he's not hitting the deeper part of the field so often, when he is, the ball's there. Uh, so, you know, not all out on Nelson Aguilar, but I don't expect him to reach that eight-touchdown plateau that he hit with uh, Las Vegas last year. Him and Kendrick Bourne are now New England Patriots. What are your thoughts on both of those guys? Yeah, I, I, they're, I mean, they're super deep. 14-team, take a stab, I guess, and see if Aguilar fits better, I mean, he is a burner most of the time. Like that's what we saw last year um, for the home run threat. I don't know that that fits, you know, as far as the deep ball accuracy, you know, I don't know how many deep ball attempts he had, you know, that, that, that was that. funny like, about that, that his, his deep ball completion percentage was 53.8, which is a good uh, deep ball completion percentage. But I was wondering like, is that, 
completing 16 out of 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll see it. Just, I don't think he's going to be usable, but same thing with Bourne. Like these guys are, you know, if Harry gets traded for whatever reason, if that's something that we, that seems to have, that's been thrown out there by some beat writers, if that happens, maybe one of these guys actually steps up to be 14 team relevant. But beyond that, no, I mean, I would have, if, if I was a Nelson Aguilar or dynasty owner, I would have hoped, Go back to to Vegas and run it back, you know. But moving to New England, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not a fan of that. Hopefully, it's just enough that it gives Cam it helps his value. That's pretty much what I'm looking for now. Could you imagine, like five years ago, a wide receiver combination of AJ Green and DeAndre Hopkins in the same offense? How epic that would have been <laughs> four to five years ago. Now yeah. in 2021, I'm not as excited about it. I mean, Nukes still got it, but do you think that AJ Green is just dust because it sure looked like it last year yeah he's a complete washed i mean it sucks because he was such a these these especially it seems like the big uh wide receivers um their their careers just fall like off a cliff you know like i used to love watching you know aj green demarius thomas des bryant like these were my guys right marshall and when they fall they fall hard and we saw that with AJ Green last year. He couldn't get on the field. He couldn't outplay T. Higgins. Um, you know, like it, even early on in the season, um, I believe I saw a stat like that he had um, like zero receptions in half his games last year or whatever. Like this guy is a name right, right now. So um, <laughs> as as somebody just holding on to Andy Isabella, just trying to see if he could turn into something, like maybe that it disintegrates that. But like you said, uh, you know. Five years ago, this has been great. And I saw somebody put out there like uh, A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and Fitz, who's not on the team, but if he returned, like that would have been, you know, three of the top five wide receivers from 2015. Like, okay, but that's all That's all this really does. I mean, that's, it's fun to do that and reminisce on why, when he was good. But for now, man, it's it's congrats on the eight mil, all right? He got eight million bucks. That's as much as Juju. I mean, <laughs> take yeah, it and exactly. run, baby. <laughs> take it and run. <laughs> Let's touch on some tight ends real quick. We're, we're at an hour now. Uh, we've been alluding to these guys the entire show. So, John New Smith and Hunter Henry to the New England Patriots. Dude, I have gone through a roller coaster of emotions with these signings. When it was just John New, it seemed like a W to me because I knew that you know Cam has those tight end tendencies, those short area of the field tendencies. And then when we find out that New England was going to double down and go after Hunter Henry too. All of a sudden, it becomes like this disaster situation for both of them. And I tried playing like the uh, Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez comp. But if that's where we're setting the bar, then there's going to be a lot of people disappointed. And, you know, a lot of Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry fans will be disappointed anyways. Uh, while there's while there's little to no chance, I'd say that they're able to capture that tight end magic of Patriots past. Uh, I still think it's probably fair to assume that New England's going to run more 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field uh, than any other team in the league this year. Otherwise, it would be awfully difficult to justify the amount of money they just spent in free agency this year. It would be like you know, if you were the Cleveland Browns and you signed Austin Hooper to be the most, the highest paid tight end in the league, something like that. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, which, which of those two do you even think has the better season? I mean, man. I, I don't even neither so neither of them have been yardage guys over the course of their career. They've been reliant on the touchdown. Um, I mean, I guess if you have to bank on one, I'm gonna put my money on Janu. Um, because I feel like he's a little bit I think he's more athletic. I think they can be more creative with him. 
And they paid him a lot more than Hunter. I was surprised. Like Hunter Henry signing there after the fact for less money. I was like, you know, that that to me seemed really, really strange. I would have yeah. been like, if you want me that bad, at least pay me as much as you just paid Janu. Um, <laughs> age-wise, they're, they're similar. Like, what the hell are we doing? Um, this was the biggest middle finger to fantasy football of the week. Like, we got excited about Janu Smith, and and people were digging up uh, videos of Janu and Belichick having, like, hugs and all this crap. And then not even 24 hours, Hunter Henry to New England and sniped two the two best, clear best, tight end free agents and now we're left with with in my opinion neither i want neither like i these guys will be overdrafted yeah. give me the late you know keep pushing that we've talked about on the show it's it's one of the top three guys or none just what yeah it's a shame two of the better tight end talents in the league now just seems like completely useless for fantasy purposes but uh that's that's the New England Patriots for you. Whether it's tight ends or running backs, they are going to ruin your fantasy roster. A uh, couple more tight end signings here. Rob Gronkowski returns to Tampa Bay. Gerald Everett goes to Seattle. Kyle Rudolph to the New York Giants. And Jared Cook uh, is going to take over Hunter Henry's spot with the Chargers. Uh, which one of those really stands out to you? For me, like something about Gerald Everett to Seattle seems really nice. We know Russell Wilson. I mean, he was able to make guys like Will Disley a thing. Um, there was some other clown they had in there. Sorry, clown, <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's made some. You know, he's 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 produced tight end numbers. He you know, he's he's produced solid tight ends in Seattle. So mm-hmm. I don't see why that wouldn't work out for Gerald Everett, a super athletic tight end. He showed some good stuff in Los Angeles. I'm optimistic. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Gerald Everett's, uh, he's been a guy that I've really liked uh, while he was with the Rams. He had decent draft capital, second round pick. You know, he had the Sean McVay thing. Everybody was tagging all, okay, Jordan Reed's, you know, numbers are going to happen with Gerald Everett, you know, and, and that just never panned out, you know. But moving to Seattle, they don't really have anybody else there right now. I think you can step right into that role. Um, and this is an offense that every single year, Russell Wilson puts up 30 plus passing touchdowns somehow. And we all wonder why, because they didn't let him cook or whatever for half of the year. Um, but Gerald Everett, he's, he's my, he's my, this is my favorite landing spot of any of the free agents. Mm. It's, you know, it's really going to come down to it. I haven't gone through all my rankings yet. Like, do I, do I rank Gerald Everett above John Smith and Hunter Henry because they just eat into each other that much? That's going to be tough to do. But um, if he's the guy, you know, as, as the only tight end there, you know, it, there's definitely some opportunity there. At, at minimum, he's entered the conversation for me as, you know, the round 16 tight end. I can just tack onto the end of my roster and see how it goes the first few weeks. Who do you want less, Kyle Rudolph or Evan Ingram? Oh, I, <laughs> who do I want less? Kyle, I want Kyle Rudolph less. I don't want any Kyle Rudolph. I, I know I hate Evan Ingram apparently, but no Kyle Rudolph for me. I'll pass. <laughs> uh, and then Jared Cook in the Chargers. Um, I mean, I, I, you, you don't hate it because you like Justin Herbert, um, but at the end of the day, he's going to be the third, maybe fourth receiving option behind Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen. Uh, yeah. he's got, is he pushing forty years old now, Jared Cook? <laughs> he, he's got to be up there, but you, you I'm exaggerating a little. Yeah, he's got he's up there for sure. He's I think I, he's got to be over thirty five. And when you look at it, um, you mentioned it fourth fourth option that third option at best. But he was the he was really you know and he was the third option in New Orleans um, when you break that down you know but uh, I, I think all this does is just kind of it takes away from the luster of 
you know, Parham or whatever, you know, like I think Cook does just enough to spoil that little parade. Um, and Jared, just not Jared, some Jared Cook turned 34 this month. Sorry, Jared. Oh, man, man. There we go. I could, I, I'm, I was burying him already. I was like, he's got to be over 35. You know, this guy over the hill. Well, maybe he's got a little left in the tank more than we thought. So, yeah. well, man, we hit a, a ton of names on this show. You want to sign us out of here? Yeah, I, I so uh, I'll give you a chance if you want to give me one more wide receiver name because I have, I'm going to throw one more out there. Oh, yeah, the ahead. one that I, I don't even know if I got a notification on this guy signing, but I actually really like the Josh Reynolds signing to the Titans. Um, they don't have anybody else in that pass, right. not even a tight end. They lost Johnu Smith, uh, you know, Ferkshire's there, whatever. They don't have a running back that can really catch passes. For me, Josh Reynolds of Tennessee, we could finally see him hit – of that potential that some people saw. I know Matt Waldman was a big Josh Reynolds guy coming out. That's, you know, honestly, that's who, that's how he was on my radar. I drafted him on a bunch of teams and then they just kept bringing in wide receivers over him every year. So yeah. I get that he's not an elite difference maker talent, but if he gets the opportunity in that offense, even if he gets the Corey Davis targets, even though they might not be the same, you know, exact targets, if he gets those opportunities, um, you know, he could be a, a you know, a, a bi-week starter type guy. So I'll, I'll throw that out there as my last Last name. You, did, did anybody else pop off uh, this list before we uh, get out of here? No, no one that gets me too excited. I mean, you know, I've got John Brown on a roster still in a dynasty league, so I'm happy to see that he was able to stay relevant. And so if he's able to maybe step into that role where Nelson Aguilar was able to find so, so much success, then uh, I'm not out on John Brown. He's been kind of a uh, underrated receiver over the past few years. Like even going back to like he was solid in uh, Arizona. Where do you go after that? I thought it was on was it on Baltimore, right? Baltimore, yeah. yeah. Uh, looked good in Buffalo. I mean, mm-hmm. John yeah. Brown. Hopefully, for for all the uh, Henry Ruggs owners out there, <laughs> good luck because if you get sniped by John Brown right after Nelson Aguilar took all your points, that's going to be rough. But uh, there you no. go, Jake. Great job taking us through all these names. A lot of names to navigate here. We still got a few. Name uh, some some bigger names. I don't know about uh, the actual fantasy impact, but we have some names out there on the free agent wire, some spots to fill. And as this thing gets uh, you know shakes out, we'll really get to see where these draft landing spots are that we really want some of these key rookies to fall into. So you can follow Jake on Twitter at Jake Takes FF. You can follow myself at Kyle Month Eight, and be sure to subscribe to the Dynasty Warzone feed wherever you're listening to podcasts. We're going to be back here next week with more fantasy goodness. And of course, the Dynasty Warzone drops every single Wednesday uh, on your podcast feed as well. So until then, you guys take it easy. Stay safe.